on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Fam. Ah! Hey! ESPN Radio, 97.7, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you along for the ride, as always. Or perhaps you're listening on the ESPN app. Now, you can't listen at the Great New York State Fair until next year, so that's done. Yeah, I know. The fair is over. No more fried dough. You can make it at home if you'd like, but uh, it's not the same, right? Uh, congratulations to everybody over at the Great New York State Fair, all the great people over there, Dave Bullard and the crew, Troy Waffner named the uh, uh, not acting director, the director today, record-setting attendance and another uh, terrific state fair in the books. Uh, you can't listen to us there until next summer, but if you have the ESPN app on your phone and you find the Listen tab and you find us, then you can take us with you wherever you go. It's Tuesday after Labor Day. I hope you had a great long weekend. Enjoyed some time because we flipped the switch. School's getting back in session this week. Things kind of return to normal. All those summer vacations are behind us. The National Football League starts this week. We've got a college football weekend in the books, and it's just the wheels start turning 100 miles per hour again. Summer was just killing time till football season. Football season is here and life is normal again. We will discuss it all here today. And here's how you can make yourself part of the conversation. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. We have one guest who will join us on this Tuesday, Stephen Bailey, Syracuse.com, on the beat. Did a great job covering the game on Friday and the series of articles that came out after that. Had a great analysis on the dot com yesterday that you should check out. We're going to bring on Stephen about an hour from now and just kind of get those last minute thoughts in on Friday night's opening season win and all the interesting subplots that came out of that. There's really not much to look ahead to. This is going to be an interesting game week because it's Wagner and Syracuse should beat Wagner decidedly, uh, basically by remembering to be there on time and that they remember to put on their uniforms and their shoulder pads and everything and actually show up on the field. There's not much to break down matchup-wise. Wagner's got a really good running back, and that's all I got. And that's all I should have because we shouldn't have to thoroughly break this down. What's interesting is we think we learned what we need to know about this team in Week 1. We will learn nothing about this team in Week 2. And then you get Florida State in the Dome, 
We all saw what Florida State, I was about to say did last night. It was more like what they didn't do. But let's not get our hopes up that Syracuse can defeat Florida State the way Virginia Tech did. If they're going to have a competitive sporting matchup with Florida State, they're not going to beat them the way Virginia Tech did last night. It's not to say they can't beat them, because they certainly can. Am I looking ahead? Am I breaking the Cardinal rule? Am I looking past this week? Yes, because I can do that. Coaches can't do that. Players can't do that. But I can. I'm just I'm I'm more in on Florida State than Wagner. No offense to the mighty Wagner Seahawks, but give me a break. We will discuss it all. Stephen Bailey will join us. It's Top 5 Tuesday, and we're going to do the blind side. I know that's confusing, but we were in here yesterday, and you know Brent likes the blind side, so we will do the blind side today. But it's also Top 5 Tuesday, and we've got a lot of football to discuss there. Hot takes. We'll recap some things that happened while we were gone from the long weekend, including the inspiring choice of Nathan Peterman to be your starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, who, according to ESPN's uh, NFL preview today, has a 0.1 chance of winning the Super Bowl. To which I said, so you're telling me there's a chance. Plus, the Khalil Mack trade and some other things we'll get into. Uh, Rick Pitino's on a redemption tour, to which we say good luck with that. Of course, the Colin Kaepernick story that's out there. But we, of course, start with Syracuse football, those lingering thoughts from the weekend. And I know a lot of you are still discussing this and still thinking about it. And look, they, let, let's you know check the boxes that are due. They got an opening game win. They had an impressive outing from Eric Dungy, who was named the ACC Quarterback of the Week. I vote in the ACC Player of the Week ballot, which now has nine different awards, which is a bit much, but that's okay. I voted for Dungy. He deserved it based on his performance, and he deserved it because, well, there wasn't a lot of stellar quarterback play in the ACC this week, frankly. But he certainly earned that. But it is the quarterback decision made in that game that lingers from Friday night. It was an odd decision, albeit not a questionable one, in the sense that I think if it got to a certain score, It got to a certain point where you could do it. We're all in favor of Tommy DeVito getting reps, right? Who's against that? Who's against the backup quarterback we've heard so much about who's as good as a backup as Syracuse could potentially have in a while? Knowing your starting quarterback has not finished a season as the starting quarterback, when given the opportunity, the highly touted backup should know what it feels like to have game reps under his belt. The concept of that, I don't think anybody's really against. But as is the case in a lot of things in life, timing is everything. 34-7 before halftime was not the time to put Tommy DeVito in that football game for a, a myriad of reasons. And it backfired, and yes, Eric Dungy, Tommy DeVito, or anybody on offense didn't give up the 28 third-quarter points that Syracuse did. But changing a quarterback is more than changing a quarterback. It affects the entire psyche of a football team, the psyche of a football game. Some people say you can't measure momentum, and bringing up momentum in discussions like this is pointless. I say it's a very tangible thing, much like chemistry, that I sometimes can't explain, but I know it's there. It's the same thing with momentum. Dino Babers played with fire 
in changing his quarterback when he did. Clearly the difference was there. And you sent a big flare-up to Western Michigan that we're pulling off the gas pedal. Knowing that your defense is what it is, and maybe you didn't because at the time they were playing well and it's only the first game of the season and you want to have faith that your defense has improved from its horrific showing at the end of last season and you're putting faith in them. And again, to that point, they had only given up seven points and looked like they kind of had Western Michigan figured out. But football is weird. Things happen, points get scored, and Western Michigan looked and said, oh, I'm going to pull your quarterback now? And all it did was turn the tide of that football game. And thankfully, you have a quarterback that can come in and do Eric Dungy things in that game and put it out of reach and squash any sort of hope that Western Michigan had that they were going to turn this into a Friday night massacre, a big old upset that Syracuse would really have trouble recovering from, given what the score was, what that massive comeback would have been. There's a lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas that we're not talking about here. They got the win. They got it impressively. But for those that said maybe that game and that win left more questions than answers, I can agree with that. That would generally be the case with 11 football games to go and only one in the books. But you know, football coaches always like to talk about what they can control, what they can't control. right? You can only go out there and respond to certain things, prepare for certain things, be ready for certain things, right? I just talked about this with Dino last week, and he brought it up in that conversation. We'll, of course, have him on again this week. But he brought it up in that interview. The coaches like to know what they can can control. So that first game is always an interesting one because you've done all this prep, all this work, all this practice, but you cannot control what you're going into. What you can control, though, are the decisions you make that affect the outcome of that game. So let's just put it out there, and then we'll turn the page and move on because Tommy DeVito should play. But that was a mistake. That was a boo-boo. That was one of the bigger coaching gaffes that I think Babers has made. I don't think anybody expects over the course of a season that every button he pushes will be the right one. To me, it's a lesson that when you have that foot on the proverbial gas pedal, you keep it down until you got to pull in that gas station and refill the tank. And you got a firm reminder of that Friday. Not a what if, not a woulda, coulda, shoulda. You had a team storm back in that football game and make it 34-28. You played chicken with the lead and you almost got burned. I say almost because Eric Dungey came in and saved the day. And there were questions about, well, is he hurt? What's going on there? I reported during the game I had a, a text exchange with Pete Moore from SU Athletics who informed me that Dungy wasn't hurt. So I said, okay, I'm going to report that because CBS Sports Network was speculating. A lot of people were speculating. He took that hit where he kind of led with his shoulder on that one play. And the concept of Eric Dungy being hurt in a football game is obviously not one that's foreign. So why is the backup in there so early? And you know, he had to clear things up there. And they did. And they did. Now, I say all this because you're playing Wagner this week, and I know coaches can't admit this stuff publicly, but, look, we all know what the Wagner game is. That's your opportunity for Tommy DeVito to really get some reps. For Eric Dungy, replicate the exact same thing. 34-7 lead over Wagner. You can pull him out of that game and let the backups have a field day. Western Michigan 
not that game. So lesson learned. We're kind of burying the lead here, though, because the biggest thing that I took out of that game, and again, it's one game, the cliche will be there, you make your biggest improvement between week one and week two, although, again, I don't see how that applies this year because you're playing Wagner in week two. Your biggest improvement will come between week one and week three because you're playing Florida State at home. What seems to be a, I will phrase, a vulnerable Florida State team coming in next week. But here's what I know. That defense still has big issues to solve. We knew what one issue was in particular with the linebackers. They're new. It's not going to solve itself in a week, two weeks, or two weeks or six weeks. It's going to take time for them to get the feel of it. We had to see what kind of impact Antoine Cordy had. We had to see what kind of impact the pass rush could get. They did get a couple of turnovers in that game, which they need to do much more of. But the secondary got picked apart by a pretty good offensive coach, pretty good quarterback. But I'm kind of looking ahead saying, what even could Florida State do against a defense if it doesn't make some improvements in that game? That's why if they're going to beat Florida State and have a shot against Florida State, it is going to be pretty much the opposite of what we saw last night. It's going to be more what we saw Friday night, shootout, back-and-forth game which is how Syracuse is going to have to win a lot of games until that defense proves it can hold down the fourth. its credit, made some plays in the fourth quarter, but that third quarter, mm. that's that's at least something to keep an eye on. I don't want to go too over the moon here because it is one game, but there were some noticeable things in that game where, you know, if you're an impatient fan that feels, you know, Brian Ward – is somebody who's sitting on a hot seat or you want to see a, a particular defense played a certain way or however you want to phrase it, well, Friday really did nothing to reassure those fears. But I also want to reiterate here, this is, this is one football game. Let's let them watch film, practice it out, see if they can fix those mistakes. But I think what we saw on Friday is you still have a defense that's vulnerable. You still have a quarterback in Eric Dungy that has to be Mr. Everything, even though he's got a backup that looks capable. That was noticeable, too. People said and made the observation, well, boy, that offensive line gave up sacks, didn't look the same, looked a little shaken when Tommy DeVito came in. And look, I'm not a, you know, an expert on these things, but to me that's pretty obvious. Eric Dungy covers up a lot of your faults because he can run out of trouble. Tommy DeVito is a thrower. He's a quarterback. He will hang in the pocket longer. He will try and make those throws. Two totally different styles, and I know they've gotten reps in practice, and again, the need to get those reps in game so they get in sync. But it wasn't only a momentum thing, it was a style thing, right? So that's something to keep an eye on, and that's why you have this Wagner game, thankfully. So, And it's is he going to be in there with the ones the whole time? No. It won't solve all your problems, certainly. But Tommy DeVito's not Eric Dungy. That could be a good thing, Right? Dungy is a certain style of quarterback. He 200 yards rushing, an all-time Syracuse record, darn near a ACC record, and that's impressive. But it's interesting how worlds are colliding here, styles are are colliding here, and, and you know Syracuse is going to win and lose based on what Eric Dungy does for them, and I think we all know that. I think he just, just in case you forgot, because he was gone the last few games of last year, what kind of difference he makes. As impressive as DeVito is in a lot of ways, he clearly needs time. And they're clearly going to give him that time whenever possible. Is it enough to overcome the defensive issues? 
did the right bell cow emerge at wide receiver? A couple other surprises in that game that we will go over when we come back. We'll keep talking some Syracuse football on the other side. Do want to get into some hot takes and the Colin Kaepernick thing that's out there today and a few other football things that happened over the weekend. We mentioned Stephen Bailey is coming up later. We've got so much to do. Back at it on a Tuesday after a long weekend, and we're glad you're here with us. 437-7644. If you want to jump on board, hit me on Twitter, Brent Axe Media. The text line is 2880644. On the Block is presented by Onondaga Community College's Workforce Development Program. You can learn the skills that local employers need in just two to eight months. You can find more information at suneocc.edu slash workforce. We're back after this. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back on the Block, presented by Fusillo Automotive. Let's get into it. I got takey things. How long can I take a take? Oh, it's burning, baby, on this Tuesday after a long weekend. I'm itching for it. Hit me with that fancy open. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and burning. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for Hot Takes on the Block. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time for everybody's favorite game during Hot Takes. We got a fancy open for that and everything now. We went right to the source, the original inspiration for How Long Can I Take a Take? Hit me with the open. It's now time for How Long Can Brent Take a Take? Start the clock. Stephen A. Smith on Colin Kaepernick. Unfortunately, I think it'll help the Nike brand. I mean, as of, you know, when the markets opened this morning, they were down about 3%, but still up about 27% year over year. They're going to make money. They're the largest. Kind of subdued, uh, right? You know, they, they dominate the foot the foot gear industry. We all understand When's that. the energy going to pick up? I'm but actually riding this out to see if it picks up. Uh, is because I don't know if anybody's gotten this. Nike essentially hijacked this issue. They have now made themselves, instead of Colin Kaepernick, the face of, of all of this. Okay. We can cut it off there. That was about, wow, I made it pretty far in that one. That was about 37 seconds. I, I, I was hoping for a yelling, screaming over the top. Stephen A. did say there at the beginning, this is unfortunately about them. That is actually an interesting take from Stephen A. that Nike has now hijacked this. And people are upset that. They're paying Colin Kaepernick to be the, the kind of the face of their Just Do It campaign, the 30th anniversary of that. There are other, you know who I'd hate to be? The other athletes featured in this, like Odell Beckham Jr. and some others that have some pretty interesting stories to tell because it's going to be all about Kaepernick here. And I, I brought it up a moment ago. Look, you say the name, you go to your corner. Nothing Nike does is going to change anybody's mind. What will change minds is my buying habits. If you're somebody that doesn't like Kaepernick, that carries over to patriotic feelings about he shouldn't have kneeled during the anthem. You're going to think twice now about buying those sneakers, buying that shirt, buying that Nike gear. Maybe you'll get rid of some of that gear. And by all means, please do not burn it. Don't be one of these dopes on social media. Look at me. I'm burning my T-shirt. Yeah, good for you. Why don't you go grab, you know, 20 bucks out of your wallet and burn that? It's the same thing. You're burning your own stuff. Congratulations. Go donate it. Go donate it to a homeless shelter. So somebody can get some use out of it there. But I'll go back to what I said a few minutes ago to Jake's call. Nike is a very smart company that has thrived in doing things in a 
looked, I, for lack of a better term, I'll say controversial manner. Nike didn't get to where Nike is by being vanilla, by just making products. Like, remember those Steph Curry shoes that were, like, as bland as can be? Nike has not gotten to where they are by being that kind of company. That's hot. Is this what's going to derail Nike finally? Because a whole lot of conservatives and some people out there that already hated Colin Kaepernick are not going to buy Nikes anymore? No. Nike's going to be just fine here. What I liked about this, even though I don't agree with a lot of it, is this is the forum to do it. Advertising, marketing, interviews, media. Get your message out that way because it's effective. The whole world's talking about it today. Don't kneel during the anthem when your message will get swallowed up by a whole lot of things it has nothing to do with. This is what you should have done in the first place. Go to Nike, do something like this. Don't disrespect that anthem and kneel during it. There you go. And Colin Kaepernick continues to be on everybody's mind. It's pretty amazing that the legs that this story has not only taken on, but continues to grow. So can somebody convince me what the hell John Gruden is doing with the Oakland Raiders? So John Gruden, who, again, this is America, and if you can find somebody to pay you this kind of money to coach the Raiders. Billion dollars. Pretty much, actually. He found his mark. Quite literally, in this sense, Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, who felt that a guy had been in a broadcasting booth for a decade, was worth a 10-year, $100 million contract. Somehow walking away from the game, and yes, I know, Gruden's in his little, you know, mini-mall film room, getting up every morning at 4 a.m., hey man, you know, doing his quarterback camp. I love the Gruden quarterback camp, by the way. Spider 2, wide banana, the whole thing, I was into it. This whole concept of this made him more of a football genius who should be paid more than any coach in the league was insane to begin with. So John Gruden's first big splash with the Raiders is to trade one of the two or three best defensive players in football. Now, they got two first-round picks in exchange, but those two first-round picks now have to become one of the two or three best players at their position for this to even begin to round out. How they couldn't come to an agreement, how they couldn't figure this out, not only does he get traded to Chicago, where they revere defensive players more than any you know team in the, in the NFL, arguably, they give him the extension. How can Ryan Pace in Chicago work that out in a weekend and the Raiders couldn't figure this out over an entire offseason? This is how you begin your legacy with the Raiders? And to hear Gruden's explanation of it and how this thing went, I mean, if I'm a Raiders fan, and look, I know you love Chucky and Raiders fans generally tend to live in the past a little bit more than other teams. The autumn wind is a pirate and the Raider tradition and all this stuff, right? It's amazing to me how Gruden was even deemed somewhat of a football genius in the modern game. And then this is his first move. Now, maybe they'll go 14-2 and this year. He'll prove us all wrong. And they'll go to Vegas, and there'll be a thing in Vegas. The Raiders brand is untouchable at this point. They'll be fine. Like, Nike will be fine. The Raiders brand will be fine. The fans will show up. They'll still be the Raiders. That's not going to change. But if I'm a Raiders fan, and I know a bunch of them, and a lot of them are like, whoa, like, what? Uh, did that, you, you traded, okay, what? what it, That's hot. Okay. Uh, Chucky! Yeah, Chucky! Come on. How do you not work that out with Khalil Mack? Now, sometimes players just want to move on. Le'Veon Bell hasn't shown up yet with the Steelers. The player's best recourse is to hold out. But look at the Rams. 
The Rams had differences with Aaron Donald. They've tried to work this out for the better part of two years. He is the best defensive player in football by many accounts. They stayed in communication. There was a nasty thing said in the media, but they worked it out. How does that not happen with the Raiders? One of the all-time blunder deals, it appears, on the surface. On the surface. Now, if you get those two first-round picks and you score some big players out of that, maybe, maybe it's worth it. I think we talk ourselves into certain players being irreplaceable, like cannot bring anybody in. Now or in the future, that will justify that move. Nobody fits that description. But if I'm going to make a list of people that might, Khalil Mack's on it. So good luck with that, Raiders fans. Hey, Chucky, yeah, you know, John Gruden's back. Yeah, make that Chucky face. Great. Ten years, $100 million for what? That's an ego move. That is John Gruden thinking he can overcome this, to which I say good luck with that. That's also going to be the theme of being a Buffalo Bills fan this year. Listen, Nathan Peterman is the starting quarterback for the Bills, basically for two reasons. One, their offensive line is horrid. And if you're going to throw a sacrificial lamb out there, you put Peterman out first. Peterman first, then the rookie, right? Our Lord and Savior, Josh Allen. The second reason is the Bills' early schedule is brutal. So I don't blame them for not wanting Josh Allen out there. Not that Nathan Peterman is the savvy veteran that's been around for 10 years in the league, like, say, Tyrod Taylor, for example, that can negotiate through Baltimore, the Chargers, Minnesota, Green Bay, Tennessee, Houston, Indy, New England, Chicago, Jets, bye week. They, and I don't say this lightly, they might not win one of those football games with Nathan Peterman at quarterback. Those are all teams. Week one, I mean, Baltimore doesn't exactly intimidate me, but L.A. might make the Super Bowl. Minnesota's one of the best teams in football. At Lambeau, the mighty Nathan Peterman-Aaron Rodgers matchup everybody's anticipating. Tennessee is, I think, going to be a sleeper team this year. Houston has a horrid offensive line, but if Deshaun Watson's healthy and if J.J. Watt's healthy, that is not an easy game. The Colts are a bad team outside of Andrew Luck, but you cannot go into any one of these games as a Bills fan saying, we got this, when Peterman's your quarterback. Because Peterman, I love what people are saying. Well, he had a great preseason. Did you see his accuracy? Uh Uh-huh. It's the preseason. Nathan Peterman cannot throw to the outside. He cannot throw to the boundaries with any sort of velocity. There's a reason that in a real football game against a real defense, he threw five interceptions. Not all of them were his fault, but he cannot throw to the boundaries. He has a weak arm. He's great on the five-yard dink and dunk. He gets rid of the ball quickly. He's been a lot sharper in the preseason, but Josh Allen is the more talented quarterback. Let's not pretend that Peterman, they're making it sound like he's like a nine-year veteran that is going to carry the Bills here to another playoff season. No, he's just been the better guy in preseason, and he's the sacrificial lamb. Which surprises me why they got rid of A.J. McCarron. Between McCarron and Peterman, I mean, look, by all measurements that Sean McDermott put out there, 
earn the job, performance, a lot of the boxes you have to check. Peterman did earn it, but like I saw it today. ESPN's NFL preview, chances to win the Super Bowl, 0.1%, 32 out of 32. A lot of teams are looking at the Bills, looking at that horrid offensive line, and looking at their quarterback situation, a couple other holes on that team, and they're saying, okay, see you next year. That's what it is becoming about. The Bills have $50 million, 50 in dead cap money this year, but it all goes away. Next year, they have one of the most flexible cap numbers in the NFL. When Brandon Bean took on this job, he told the Pagulas, it's going to take me two years to clean this up. Frankly, that playoff run a year ago, a lot of people were very surprised by that. And my hands up is the first one, and I think a lot of people in that organization said, wow, playoff run. They still needed Andy Dalton's miracle at the end of the season to get there. There's a lot of things they're putting in. There's a base here I'm happy about. There's a lot of structural things that are happening that – I believe in Bean, I believe in McDermott, but they're going to take a hit this year because that offensive line's bad, and they've got an average quarterback, and even when he's gone, you got a rookie who I am enamored with. I love his talent, I love his arm strength, but he's a rookie, he's going to take his shots. By the way, on a side note, it's amazing how things progress here. If you had told me two months ago, right around the time the LaShawn McCoy story was starting to heat up, that LaShawn McCoy was going to be a captain of the Buffalo Bills going into their first game, I would have looked at you like you had lobsters crawling out of your ears. But that is the case here. That story has not gone away. It hasn't been, you know, exactly the details haven't been flowing out there. We kind of know what we know. She's suing him, and we kind of know the details of what at least has been made public about that break-in that resulted in a former girlfriend of LaShawn McCoy being physically assaulted in the pictures that came out. And we kind of know that's going to head for a settlement, and we know what we know there. The Bills have made out on this a lot more, how can I say this, sensitively. The Bills have gotten out of this easier than I thought they would. Like, this had the makings of a major controversy, and not to mention he's their best player. They need him. LaShawn McCoy, they are going to ride that horse until he collapses this year. But a captain of this team, given what we were hearing two months ago, it's incredible how sometimes things just kind of go away in sports. And then it's incredible how some things don't go away, a la Colin Kaepernick. It's funny what sticks to the wall and what doesn't. And that could change. Something could come out of this McCoy thing that changes the status. But the fact that his teammates elected him a captain goes to show you, If anything, sports is weird, man. It's just this weird, different universe that continues to fascinate me, and that's why I do what I do. 437-7644 is the phone number. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. That's hot. Continue to take your phone calls and tweets, and you can hit the text line at 288-0644. Stephen Bailey's going to join me top of the hour. Go over some nuts and bolts, good meat and potatoes football stuff with him coming out of week one. Syracuse's win over Western Michigan. Wagner coming up. That's great. I'm more interested in well, what about Florida State coming up here? What about this first month? What are the big holes Syracuse has to fix? What are the more encouraging things that come out of, yes, it's only one game, but what can we take out of one game? Stephen Bailey will have all the answers to our questions coming up. It's Top 5 Tuesday. Plus, we'll go on the blind side, usually on Monday, but we didn't have a Monday show because of Labor Day, so we'll do it today. All coming up. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.